Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Although the official end of summer is not until September 22nd, most women will tell you that as soon as August arrives, there are only a few weeks left to pack in the fun. So this is your reminder to get out and enjoy these lazy, hazy days as much as possible before school and routine take over again after Labor Day. As you slather on the sunblock, turn up the volume to catch today's show. Here's what's coming up. More than ever, we need women in politics and not just at the highest levels. Local politics have a huge impact on policy, not to mention they inspire at a grassroots level. That's why I'm so happy to have Megan Hansen, mayor of Sylvan Lake, Alberta, join me today to discuss her public service journey that started at 13. Megan shares her thoughts on women in politics, what she's currently working on, and what the future may hold. Aging as a woman can present unique challenges. Helen Tanzi co-hosts a podcast with Diane Weissman called The Feminine Warrior, all about women embracing themselves as they age, stepping away from the patriarch, and finding their own truth and living life fully. She joins me to discuss. Anne Brody is here for Saturday Night at the Movies, and I'm not sure Anne had time to leave her couch this week with so many new shows and movies to share. Of course, how could we not discuss Canadian legend Shania Twain's new documentary on Netflix called Not Just a Girl, but also Love Song, available in select theaters, plus an homage to Canadian legend Alan Funt called Mr. Candid Camera. If you're like me and often let all your hard work at staying healthy slide when you're on holidays, then you'll want to stick around for my interview with Emily Berkness, a Weight Watchers workshop coach who, after 14 years of being a WW member, finally committed to healthy habits no matter where she might find herself. Emily shares how a mindset shift makes it all possible to go away, enjoy all the good things in life, and maintain your health. The threat of climate change is bearing down on us hard right now, and it can often feel overwhelming. Olivia Ulrich from Carbon Block, an environmental technology firm working to spread climate change awareness, joins me to share how she is an advocate for climate optimism, helps spur people to action by moving them out of their comfort zone, and encourages women to get into the climate tech industry as a career. Finally, Allison Venditti from Moms at Work stops in to share the new tool they've developed to help small businesses with no HR department navigate the laws in and around parental leave. Aptly named My Parental Leave, this tool was built in conjunction with employment lawyers, human resource experts, and of course, parents, and is available at a small price that businesses can afford. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Female 
female representation in politics has increased since Louise McKinney became the first female elected representative in Alberta in 1917. But over 100 years later, women remain significantly underrepresented in politics compared to the general population. My first guest today grew up volunteering in her hometown of Castlegar, BC, and sat on her first regional committee at 13 years old. Megan Hansen then served eight years as a councillor in Sylvan Lake, Alberta, before being elected mayor in 2021. She joins me now to discuss her time in politics and has some words of encouragement for those thinking about throwing their hat in the ring. Welcome to what she said, Megan. Hi, Candice. Were you, I have to ask, 13 years old, were you raised in a home that was sort of always giving back to the community? Was this your upbringing? Always, yes. Uh, I remember my parents were involved in, they'd sell Harley Davidson tickets outside of the Canadian Tire and we'd be freezing around our little heater. So I hated it at the time, but uh, it was just something that you did. You were, that was part of living in a community, you had to give back to it, so appreciated that that was my example they set. Did you feel as a child that you would you want to go into politics or was this something you sort of came to later? You know, even months before I first ran in the election in 2013, there was no way this was on my radar. My dad always teased it, something you'll do when you're older, you'll be interested in it. And I'm like, not a chance, dad, you're crazy. Until I finally called him just before and said, you know, I, I think I am thinking about this. And he was like, it's about time. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I I think about entering politics as very intimidating. What were some of the fears that you had to conquer before you actually jumped in? It's terrifying to put your name out there when, you know, I was 25 when I first ran in, in the first election. I was elected at 26 for the first time. So, and I just moved to Sylvan Lake a couple of, couple of years prior. So I didn't really know anybody. And you look at, at previous years and it's like, okay, you need so many thousands of votes to be successful. Well, I only know eight people in the Optimist Club I volunteer with. <laughs> so it, it is really intimidating. Who, who are these strange people that don't know me that are going to put their faith in me? I don't know if they exist. but So you think you believe that um, obviously women need to be better represented in politics, but not necessarily you know, equal representation. Can you expand on that a little bit for me? Yeah, I, I think the worst thing we could ever do for women in politics or in any industry is to to put you in as a token, to be the token because we should have 50% representation. And I feel that way for any uh, underrepresented population. That's not the right way to go about it. What we need is we need to see on a ballot that we have the same number of men as women or, or relatively equal. So we have the equal amount of choices. And once you get to that point, Whoever is the best person for the job and who represents your community best, that's who should win. But no wonder why we're always underrepresented, because if on a ballot with 10 people, often two of them are women. So the choices aren't there. And of course, you're going to pick the best quality candidates or the community does. And, and often that ends up being skewed towards the men. Do you have any thoughts on how we could engage more women to enter politics? I don't think that women will enter unless they're asked. And, and I think that really does come on to one-on-one -on -one conversation. You read things about, well, you could run for council or you could run for whatever that looks like. But we all, we never think that that's, that's somebody else that could do that until someone says to you straight in the face, you would be great at this job. I would love to see you put your name in. Um, 
we, we don't. Yeah, I think we just have to personally ask the people we know that would be great or ask, do you know somebody? I think you'd be great if you're not interested. Do you know someone else I could ask? It's interesting. I read an article recently about, you know, w- men and women applying for jobs and women will often not apply for a job because they don't think they have the qualifications where men will, if they, even if they don't have the qualifications, they'll still apply. Do you think this translates to politics as well? Absolutely. We uh, we don't think high enough of ourselves and and that's why I think we need to be asked because you just you just don't think your name could be the one on the ballot. You know someone who's better. But, you know, especially in municipal politics, it's not about always who is the best qualified and who is who has the, the, the top qualifications. It really is who represents the people that live there. And not every person in your community has, you know, a, a, a big time job or two degrees or whatever that looks like. That also looks like representing the the stay-at-home mom and somebody who who is the server at the restaurant. And it, it really looks like representing all of our population, not just the elite, really. Okay, let, let's go in on that a little bit on local politics, because I think we often dismiss local politics as not affecting real change. What is your experience with that? It's the opposite. We are the level of politics that deals with most of the things that people see every day. Even when you look up to other levels of government, they they might affect the things that you deal with on a one-off basis. When you have a healthcare crisis, when you have, you know, something major that happens in your life. But day-to-day municipal politics is the playground you take your kids with. It's the the road that you drive to get to work. It's if you can get out of your driveway because you've had a snowplow come through. It's all of those things that affect you every hour of every day, not just on a one-off. You know, I often joke with women when I have conversations and I say, you know, if you can survive the parent council at your child's school, you could run the country. And I do believe (laughs) that (laughs) that politics often starts at that very small micro level, but the lessons learned can be applied to a broader audience. So tell me about your community then. What is it you're most proud of uh, as mayor of Sylvan Lake? Oh, I, you know, I'm very excited I, I about an example. Today, we're opening our spray park. Um, it's a facility we've been fundraising and in the works for for 10 years. But this wasn't something that either government or a big company came in and put in a big sponsorship and made it happen. We, a, a group of, of women really got together and built this spray park one taco in a bag, $4 at a time. And it's really that commu- community movement that makes me very excited. And We've won Craft uh, Hockeyville here in Sylvan Lake, and that was similar. It was just a group of people who got together and said, let's do this. Let's get people to vote. Let's put some weight behind this. Let's have a parade. Let's do all the things. And it it's exciting to me the things that other people find exciting, and that energy just takes over. Do you see yourself, uh, you know, obviously you you love Sylvan Lake and, and, and being part of that community, but do you see yourself maybe uh, looking at uh, bigger goals down the road in terms of politics? Today, not a chance. <laughs> you know, I, I have a young family and I absolutely love every part of being the mayor here, but uh, I, I guess you never, never say never, but I think it's highly unlikely I will venture far from Sylvan. <laughs> Well, one of my favorite expressions is you can't be what you can't see. So I love that, you know, women and young girls in particular are seeing you lead a community effectively by mobilizing people to 
get what you need there. So what, any big goals you're looking, working towards right now? Uh, yeah, we've got some, actually a couple of the big ones that we've talked about a lot are advocacy items. And this is relating to the things that we can't directly affect, but how do we affect change in other levels of government as well? So we, we just had a huge win. We've been talking for a really long time about our lack of victim services in town. And we, we had an announcement come in earlier this week that saw we were successful in that. We hope to have a new high school in town here. We hope to see better healthcare, all those kinds of things. And I think the way we make that happen is to show that we have influence as, as local government. And when our community all gets together and, and says something, things important that we can we can share that voice and make it happen. Yeah, I, I love this because I, I do think people underestimate the, the importance of local politics. So I'm so glad you joined me today. Uh, I want people to be able, whether they're in Sylvan Lake or Ottawa, Toronto, wherever they are, I want them to be able to follow you because you're leading by example. So where can they find out more and connect with you? I'm on social media. I do Facebook. I do Instagram. My handle is Megan the Mayor. And I share all kinds of local stories, also involve my kids a fair bit because I have a lot of them. So they join along for my journeys and, and often that looks like them joining in for events or parades. I'll tell you, my three-year-old's best day of his life was last weekend in, in a parade handing out candy. <laughs> and I like to share the fun parts of it too, so... Oh, I, I love that. Uh, Megan, the mayor, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an absolute delight. We're going to have to have you back sometime because I think there's a great conversation to be had about being a mom in politics too. So another, another day, but thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. It's a better place since you came along. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. I can do anything. I am strong. I am invincible. I am woman. Aging as a woman is complex. Typically, as we enter our 40s and into our 50s and 60s, our confidence and general contentment soars while we simultaneously continue to battle ageism and sexism in society. Helen Tanzi co-hosts a podcast with Diane Weissman called The Feminine Warrior, and it is about women embracing themselves, stepping away from the patriarchy, and finding their own truth and living life fully as they age. She joins me now to discuss. Welcome to the show, Helen. Oh, thank you so much. What prompted you to start The Feminine Warrior? I had a podcast beforehand that I did uh, solo called Sundari Women, and it was um, Sundari in Sanskrit means beautiful. And I started it with that just to try to sort of change the conversation about how we feel as we age. And then Diane, I met her, um, I'm a photographer, so I did her photos and we started talking and um, she is a fitness trainer and she also sort of found that women really struggled as they aged also, not just the physical, but the emotional too. And it's all connected in your body, right? So we just decided to collaborate and we started the Feminine Warrior podcast and it's been growing and we've had incredible guests. We've had Mariel Hemingway. Um, we've had Dara Torres, who's a 12-time Golden Olympian for swimming. Uh, we've had supermodel Rachel Hunter. We've had some great Canadians like Colin Mockery and Deb McGrath. And it's really resonating with people. 
So as you're doing this then, I mean, I know that whenever I have guests on, I learn so much. What have you been learning on this journey? The thing that I find interesting is that we tend to talk about a lot of the great things that happen in our life, but the great things tend to come from challenges that we've had. And the guests that we've spoken to, they really share honestly about their struggles. And, but they realize that those struggles were actually what got them to where they are. It's where they found their gifts. It's where they found their strength. It's where they found their purpose. Because when we go through, you know, when we're feeling down or depressed, we go through difficult times. Usually it's because we're not in alignment with what we're meant to be doing. So I think hearing that, you know, all these guests talking about how they embraced the shadow or the lessons that they learned in those challenging times, I love that because life isn't always happy and it's not supposed to be happy. I agree. I I have to say, you know, I've been through the most challenging four years of my life recently, and I continue to hammer this point home, though, is that the highs are so much sweeter when you've dragged yourself through the lows. Uh, And it's helped make me who I am today. So while I wouldn't wish that reality on anybody, it's my reality and I have to choose how I react to it, right? Um, So as we age, you know, um, there are things that you believe, you know, we've talked about this prior to the interview that are critical for mental health and keeping that intact. What, What do you sort of employ to keep all the uh, negative messages from, from um, I guess, assaulting you? Because <laughs> we get that, we get those, we get those negative messages as women everywhere, you know, every advert, social media. I mean, I think one of the things that you and I spoke about, I mean, I have a morning practice that I do. I get up in the morning and I meditate every morning. And for me, that just grounds me. Um, It doesn't mean that I don't have challenges in my day, but I don't get blown over by it. I'm able to sort of see it for what it is. If I don't do my morning practice, if I go a few days without it, I'm more vulnerable and I'm more sort of reactive to my emotions. Instead of my practice, it grounds me so that when I feel something, I can go, oh, okay, what is this? You know? Um, but I think also too, like if I start to feel down about myself, sometimes I'm like, okay, what am I watching? What am I looking at? Am I on social media a lot? Or am I, you know, picking up magazines that are making me feel this way? And, and I think that's one of the things is like changing, you know, what you and I spoke about too, is that we need to change how we see aging. And I think all these big makeup companies and, you know, it's all about, oh, anti-aging, anti-aging. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with aging. It's a gift that we get to age. So how about how can we embrace aging instead? And it's all about changing, you know, making those small shifts in in how we view aging so that we get to grow old and feel good about ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think about people that I've lost in my life, just, you know, uh, people that I went to school with who didn't have the privilege of aging. And I try to remind myself of that a lot is how lucky I am to be at this stage of my life. So tell me, uh, who's coming up on your show uh, that you're looking forward to talking to? Because you have amazing guests. I mean, I look on your website and they are just incredible guests. So anybody you're really looking forward to? Um, well, we have somebody that we're hoping, I don't want to say anything yet, but it'll be a big one. Um, I will let you know when that happens, but we're having Megan Murphy and she is on um, Regis, or not Regis, Kathy and um, 
what is that that morning show it used to be Regis and Kelly now it's Kelly and Ryan I think um, she's one of the fashion consultants for that we have Amy Goodman who's on Good Morning America we have an author um, who's a principal and she has a book out and it's about how to sort of with your children in school and all the pressures that children are going through but also parents and teachers so we've got a lot of great guests coming up all right amazing I want people to be able to find you obviously catch all the past shows keep up with what you're doing in the future so where can they connect with you? I think the best way is our website, Feminine Warriorship. No, sorry, FeminineWarrior.ca. If you go to FeminineWarrior.ca, it has all our podcasts there, our blogs. We also do newsletters. You can sign up to newsletters so you don't miss anything. And on social media, on Instagram, we are Feminine Warriorship. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Helen. Aw, thank you so much. It was lovely to speak with you. Last week, Anne Brody was digging deep to find entertainment for us, and this week she's drowning in it. There's so much new to look at, so let's jump in. Let's start with Love Song, Anne. Oh boy, oh boy. Dale Dickey is one of my favorite actresses. She plays a woman who's living on her own in a trailer somewhere out in the desert on the edge of a lake. She has no supplies, so she fishes the lake for crawdads. Uh, and she makes coffee, and that's about it. She's apparently waiting for someone to show up, and she keeps looking and looking, and there are a lot of false starts. Um, one day, a bunch of cowhands come by, and they ask her to move her trailer because they want to move their father out of his grave because they put a rig in the lake, and they want to move him to a nicer view. <laughs> but she says, no, someone's looking for me. Anyway, at long last, this guy shows up, played by Wes Duty. And um, they knew each other as children, public school children. And apparently they attempted a kiss once all those years ago. They haven't seen each other since. And they're both in their 60s, I'd say. Uh, and so they play music and they find that they have a connection. And they, they sleep together that night. The next morning, um, he's gone or he's on his way. Uh, and... You know, you can't tell. Her performance is just so phenomenal, so complex. You can't tell if she wanted him to go or she wanted him to stay. She seems to be fully on her own in a glorious fashion. She knows all the birds. She knows she can read the night sky. She's full, you know, within herself. So it's wonderful to see just for that, uh, that question at the end. So that's called A Love Song, and it's in select theaters. Okay. I, I do have to say the trailer looked lovely. Uh, just you get a warm feeling watching the trailer even. So the movie I'm sure will be phenomenal. Tell me about my old school. Oh, this is wild. This is a true story. Alan Cumming actually narrates the guy in question, but he's lip syncing it to actual interviews with this fellow who would not show his face. So there's a school in Glasgow and a, a Canadian kid shows up. And his mother was a world-class opera singer. He toured the world with her, but she uh, she's died. So he's been sent to live with his grandmother there. So he goes to school. He's 16 years old. He's kind of standoffish, but eventually he sort of gets in with the crowd. They go off to Spain for a weekend of fun. 
He gets into a fight. He's arrested. Police find two passports, one for him and one for somebody who looks just like him, who's in his mid-30s by a totally different name. <laughs> so he's pulled off a scam and he became a media darling in England. So that's really funny to see. <laughs> My old school. It's And where is that on? Sorry, my old school is on what what channel? That's in the theaters as well. Theaters. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I really want to talk about Shania Twain. I, I adore her, a Canadian, obviously, and she is incredible. And uh, she is really a phenomenal person as well. Yeah. Well, what I found so surprising in this, and I did not know it, that everything she did, she did based on what she thought was best. She even had the uh, footage shot after all of her videos and hand edited them. It's incredible. She she uh, played places she wanted to. She took breaks when she wanted to. She Her managers had to put up with it. And she became this multi-award winning, record-breaking artist. Um, and of course, you, you all know her her personal life, how she and her husband, Mutt Lang, her producer, went to move to Switzerland. He had an affair with her assistant. She had an affair with the assistant's husband, and they remarried. <laughs> but they don't go into that a lot. It's more about the strength of her character. And that's how she got up, pulling herself by her bootstraps. And I've never seen a case just so thoroughly self-confident like this and okay they've got great interviewees including Lionel Richie, Bo Derek, Diplo, Avril Lavigne, Orville Peck and great footage from the 1969 Tommy Hunter show and that's where she makes her debut on TV it's really a good show but I just don't know why she calls herself a girl it's called Shania Twain not just a girl she's 50 something but that's just me <laughs> All right. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left. We've got about a minute here. So you want to get to Keep Breathing and Mr. Candid Camera. Yeah. Keep Breathing on Netflix. This is, uh, Melissa Barrera plays a, a woman who's flying up to Inuvik to uh, meet her mother. Her plane crashes. She's left alone. She has nothing, bottle of water, protein bar, and a phone that works, but there's no signals. And it's brush and mountains for as far as the eye can see. So you go through this series with her, seeing ways that she very innovatively um, survives. And the actress swims in frigid waters, holds her breath for minutes on end. It's just a marvel, it's very exciting. And I'll just quickly hit Mr. Candid Camera, a documentary made by Alan Funt's son, Peter, about the remarkable strides and um, pioneering ways of his father who created Candid Camera and endless other shows based on, you know, watching people who don't know they're being watched. It is absolutely hysterical. Some of the classic routines that they did, the setups. Um, so, and sadly, although he was such a pioneer, Alan Funt was never given an award or a star on the Walk of Fame. But his work is still being produced and reused today, 80 years and before, later. And before Ashton Kutcher and Punked, there was Candid Camera, which was always fun. And I always, I remember it, it was never mean or spiteful. It was just funny. Uh, so I, I look forward to this. And thanks so much for joining me today. You'll be back next week. In the meantime, people can go over to whatshesaidtalk.com and catch all of your reviews for this week. And bunch of interviews as well. Can you feel it? Come, come.
Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. It's summer and that means vacation time. Time to toss aside the routine and seize the moment, right? While that may be true, you want to be careful not to toss it all aside, especially any commitments you've made to your health. Emily Berkness lives just outside of Calgary with her husband, four kids, and puppy. A Weight Watchers member on and off for 14 years, Emily decided after the birth of her fourth child to make lasting, sustainable changes around her habits, which included breaking out of her all-or-nothing mindset when it came to diet. By shifting her mindset, she was able to lose 50 pounds, all while falling in love with the process, so much so that she became a WW workshop coach. She joins me today to discuss keeping on track when you're tempted to toss it all aside on holidays. Welcome to What She Said, Emily. Thanks for having me, Candace. It's so good to be here. I feel this to my core because every time I go on vacation, all routine, all structure, all commitments I've made to myself, I tend to toss them all out the window under the guise of, I deserve this, which really is a big disconnect. Is that what you found? It's, it's what I found my entire life. And I think it's what everyone, like, so I, I meet with so many Weight Watchers members and I meet with so many people out there. And this is the mindset that everyone has, right? We, we diet, we work out so that we can go on holidays and throw everything to the wind. And I, like in my mind, I think of, you know, going to these all-inclusives in Mexico now that everyone's traveling, right? That's what they're going. Or, you know, you're going camping and you're just eating chips from like 8 a.m. till till 9 p.m., right? Like this is something that I did for most of my life is when summer came, all bets were off, all my healthy habits were out the window, and I was just wanting to enjoy myself. Right. And we we fool ourselves into thinking that this is somehow good for us. But then we get back after our one week off and we now have to face the consequences of of that. So what have you found that keeps you on track when you're on holidays? Well, what I've done is I've taken my habits that I have throughout the year when I'm at home. I do these things. Yes, because they help me maintain my weight, but also because they make me feel good, right? Like eating vegetables makes me feel good. Moving my body makes me feel good. Getting enough sleep makes me feel good. So I've tried to incorporate those things into my holidays. So it's not just I'm coming back from holidays and I've gained weight. It's so that when I'm on holidays, I'm still able to enjoy myself. There's nothing worse than waking up from like a hangover, whether that's from alcohol or whether that's from sugar, right? Like those feelings, they don't equate to having a good time, right? Like I remember actually at this time I was in Tofino with my kids, my whole family. It was the best. It was like the best holiday we ever had. Um, And I was, I was doing Weight Watchers and I was, you know, feeling really good going into the holidays. And we went, we got fish tacos and, you know, like these were like the fresh fish tacos. These were the like battered, deep fried, super delicious fish tacos. And I had them for lunch and I had this moment of like, oh, I should just keep going. Like, where, you know, where's the chips? Where's the beer? Like, my healthy habits, they're wash. 
And and I had this moment where I go, wait, hey, that's not how this works, right? Like, I am hoping to achieve this balance of enjoying these fish tacos with my family on the beach in this most beautiful place. But then, like, I don't want to wake up tomorrow feeling bad and, and recognizing that we can find balance, whether that's at home or whether that's on holidays. So tell me then, when you go away and you're you know, preparing mentally, I suppose. We all prepare mentally for our vacations. Are there things that you sort of um, bring along with you, tips that you employ along the way that others might benefit from today? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you feel good, like I said, if you feel good doing these healthy habits at home, find a way to incorporate them while you're on holidays. So one thing that I do is when I'm camping, we have a tent trailer, we love camping is I have one of those big gallon water jugs, you know, like the, the big obnoxious ones. What I do in the morning is I fill that up and then I just know, just drink water throughout the day. Seeing it there, having that visual cue right there next to our tent trailer helps me to remember, ah, yes, drinking water is good for my body. I also try to go for walks when I'm out. Like it's, it's, we tend to think of like exercise as a punishment, but really like I'm sure Candace, you know, when you work out, how do you feel? You probably oh, feel fantastic. Good, <laughs> well, you get that high, right? You get that high after the workout, uh, which is, you know, I always frankly forget about it uh, until I work out again. And then I say, oh, I got to keep on with this. So, I mean, I feel like this, uh, you have an audience of one right now, totally dedicated and hanging on every word because this is me we're talking about. <laughs> it feels, well, it feels good, right? And it doesn't have to be something strenuous. It can just be like, I'm going to go for an intentional walk, right? Like, I'm going to, whether that's around the block or whether that's on the beach, the lake, the trails, and, and think of it as that. Like, I'm doing this, yes, to enjoy my holidays, but I'm also doing this because it's going to make me feel good afterwards. Um, and then for me, I have the Weight Watchers app on my phone and I track my food, not because I have to, but because it just helps me to get a good picture of where I'm at. And if I'm trying to achieve balance, you know, I'm going to track those, what that burger, I'm going to track those fries and then recognize it's okay. I'm, I'm going to balance it out. I'm going to have a salad. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these other good things for my body. So I don't feel bad. And I think that's where it kind of comes down to, if we're really getting to it is I don't want to feel bad about eating food. Right. And, and the Weight Watchers app helps me to find that balance. Yeah. And so you don't want, you're not saying you have to deny yourself you know, enjoyable things. It's about just doing things in moderation and balance, right? Yeah. I mean, I lived so many years of my life in that all or nothing thinking, right? Like I, I used to think if I'm eating healthy, if I'm trying to lose weight, then it's like, I'm going to eat that, you know, it's like sad iceberg lettuce mix you buy at the grocery store. You know, you know, the one I'm talking about. Like I'm having that with every meal with a can of tuna because that's what healthy people eat. And if I'm not eating healthy, then I guess I'm having McDonald's or I'm having, you know, a bag of chips. There was no in between. And it wasn't until like I really bought in and said, OK, I want this to be for life that I recognize that it's OK to have some McDonald's. It's OK to have some iceberg lettuce. It's not OK for me to go so far either way. Right. And that's exactly, I think, what most people do. It's just about everything mm -hmm. when they're on holidays. You know, we take longer showers, mm -hmm. we get less sleep. And so I think that's one, th one thing as well that needs to be sort of touched on is uh, we often come back from our holidays exhausted. Yeah. So, yeah, you need a holiday from your holiday. <laughs> Absolutely. So how have you uh, shifted your mindset towards in, in that regards? Well, you know, for me personally, going away with four kids, it never is a holiday. 
but it always is a good time. So setting myself up for when I get back from holidays. So having a plan. So when I, you know, you know, you get back and you're like, I don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like cleaning. I'm just so tired from driving. So having, you know, I prep my grocery order. So when I'm away, I like plan to have my grocery order delivered or I plan to have it ready for me to pick up. So I have those healthy, nourishing food ready for me, my family, when we get home from holidays. I also tend to take the day off. Like I I like to um, plan for like one extra holiday day after my holidays, if you could do that. Because I mean, with the way the airlines are and everything, you don't know if you might need it. So it just gives you that little bit of extra peace of mind. And then you can have a good sleep in before heading back to work. Now, you're here as a representative for Weight Watchers. And I think it's appropriate that we sort of just touch on this a little bit because, you know, there is a whole, um, you know, mindset around diet culture. And this really is not that. This is about maintaining your health uh, with, with proper nutrition and exercise. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, you can see me, Candace. I am not a waif of a girl. <laughs> I am not starving myself. What I am trying to do is just get to this healthy point and, and, and not be like afraid of food in either way. I think uh, a lot of people think of Weight Watchers as this diet where you're constantly counting points and you're trying to eat as little as possible and be the smallest you are. Um, I've been smaller than I am and I've been a lot like a lot more unhappy. So, and I've been bigger than I am and I've been a lot more unhappy. And I think it it really doesn't have to do with my size. It doesn't have to do with my my weight. What it really comes down to is my habits and my behaviors around food, around sleep, around activity. And and instead of looking at food and and going, what can't I eat? What shouldn't I eat? Going, okay, what can I add into my life? So, for weight watchers that has shown me I can add more vegetables and I can add more, you know, more activity in and feel really good about myself um, and kind of breaking that mindset of I have to instead of being like, OK, doing these things is going to help me to live a more full life. You know, I'm going to be able to chase after my kids for longer. I'm going to be able to do more of the things that I love and not be held back because my habits are getting in the way of whatever it is I want to actually do. And I think, too, it's also worth recognizing that it's also about being aware of how foods make you feel. You know, when I eat a salad, I feel good afterwards as opposed to when I go and grab poutine. Now, that is not to say that I'm not going to enjoy the poutine. <laughs> I'm going to love it. I'm going to embrace all of it. But I'm not going to feel so great afterwards. And I do recognize that now, right? Uh, so it's about knowing that. And it's empowering to go like, I'm choosing this. And I like, if you want to, I was at the Stampede a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they have so much crazy, delicious food. And I had to actually ask myself, like, how am I going to feel after this? Is there ever going to be a time when I can have a deep fried Oreo? Yeah, I, you know what? This isn't going to be my only opportunity. I can have one if I really want one. But to be honest, I would rather a salad. I would rather continue this day feeling good instead of like having a stomach ache or, or whatever it is. It's all about having the choice. And I think that's that's what Weight Watchers has done for me. It's shown me that I do have a choice, that I can be in like the driver's seat of whatever food that I'm choosing or preparing for my family. I don't just have to, you know, go with what's in front of me. I can choose. Well, I love it. It's not about deprivation. It's about changing your mindset. And, you know, I was sort of stalking your social accounts earlier, and I see that you're always sharing great information. So uh, where can people find out more about Weight Watchers and more about you? 
Yeah. So if you want to follow me, I'd love it. I would. I, I love making friends on Instagram. You can find me at Hey, I'm Emily B on Instagram or find me in the Weight Watchers app in Canada. I'm in there. I have virtual workshops. We have all sorts of fun challenges and uh, come say hi. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It just feels so good. How we all got here. Nobody The climate is top of mind for many of us, but it's hard to know where to even begin to affect real change as an individual. Olivia Ulrich runs the social media pages for Carbon Block, an environmental technology firm working to spread climate change awareness and help businesses take transparent, affordable climate action. An advocate for climate optimism, getting out of your comfort zone, and seeing more women in the climate tech industry, Olivia is excited to be sharing her story with us today. Welcome to What She Said, Olivia. Hi, thanks for having me. I feel like a lot of us are caught in um, fight or flight right now when it comes to the climate. There's so much news. The earth is literally on fire. Um, how do we maintain optimism? Right, yeah. So. Just as you said, like in the news and everything, uh, is so much information, so much uh, negativity, and it can be completely overwhelming. I know myself for social media that I have to do, I have to be researching news, you know, a lot of the time, and a lot of the time is very negative. Um, and idea is with that, how I kind of keep my optimism um, is that I remember that there are people around the world also helping. Um, and even though it might be hard to find them, you can't let the negativity stop you from doing anything, any climate action, because if it stops you, then we're really in trouble. So you kind of have to remember that, yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it can be very negative, but there's people that can help and that we do still have control over um, how we, you know, tackle climate change in the future. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that, you know, last week there was this whole uh controversy over Kylie Jenner hopping onto a private jet for a three-minute flight. And I have to admit, I was incredibly frustrated myself. I mean, I have switched to bar soap and uh, shampoo and conditioner. I've got Swedish dishcloths. I'm composting. I don't have air conditioning. I am doing everything I can. And I think, wow, this person's just undone all my work in one flight. So it's easy to be discouraged. But when we're looking for good news or when you're looking for good news, where do you go? Um, there's lots of places on TikTok that actually share climate, like good news. Um, you can simply plug it into Google. That's what I do. I say good news about the climate and I can find uh, people that are helping. And with Carbon Block, you know, I see my um, my coworkers on Zoom calls all day with businesses and people who are looking to make real, you know, climate action, real climate change. So um, I've been in rooms with with a bunch of people really trying to figure it out. And, you know, I'm in one city in, in Manitoba, Canada. And if that's happening here, I, you know, I bet it's happening everywhere else as well. So, you know, tell me about Carbon Block and how it works, because I think a lot of people think about, you know, carbon tax and, and carbon blocking, and it's a little bit confusing. So can you simplify the process for us a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um I am completely new to this world as well. Like the beginning of this year, I got this job and 
I literally knew nothing. I came from a theater background and now I feel like, you know, if I can understand it, I can help other people understand it because um, I think it's going to be a really big trend in the future. And I think it's really important for, for everyone to know about it. Um, so essentially carbon block acts as a brokerage for carbon offsets. So if you're a business who wants to, uh, become carbon neutral, want to take real climate action, you can contact us and you can buy carbon offsets, which, um, is kind of a way to, it's not a, it's not a solution to climate change, but it's a way to kind of give us more time and a way to help businesses, uh, you know, offset emissions that, you know, they might not be able to control just yet. You might not be able to afford to give every one of your employees, you know, an electric car, but you can buy some offsets in the meantime to help um, fund your renewable energy project. You can plant more trees. There's a cook stove project as well that's being developed with Carbon Block. Um, so there's kind of a bunch of different ways that you can uh, become carbon neutral and uh, kind of take care of those emissions that you can't, you know, control right now. And then as well, if you have a renewable energy project, um, we can help you sell those offsets as well. And it's becoming, uh, the carbon market is becoming uh, very popular. You know, I'm not like an expert on the carbon market by any means, but it seems like, you know, this is something that businesses are saying, hey, you know, we put a price on carbon. This, this could be a real thing that companies are going to have to watch. So Carbon Block kind of wants to give everyone as much information about it as possible so they are one prepared for when you know the carbon taxes some of them already in effect um and we see that too that you know there's going to be uh scc came out with a climate disclosure rule that they're saying that all companies are going to have to disclose their climate information so we kind of want companies to be prepared before these policies come in and you have to do it and everyone's scrambling we want to make sure that companies are prepared for this so that's what um we do. Well, it makes sense to get ahead of the curve uh, before these changes come into effect, but also just basically for the environment, it makes sense to do this. So you deal with businesses only and individuals. Uh, if they would like to purchase carbon offsets, do they go somewhere else? Yeah, I think we mostly deal with um, with companies and businesses. I know there are ways that if you want to personally offset your flight, uh, for an example, there are um, options for that now. You can even look at the carbon emissions um, that the flight is is giving. But yeah, but I mean, like, if you have questions about that, for sure, you can always, you know, talk to Carbon Block or talk to us and say, hey, you know, how do, where do I go? And, and we're more than happy to uh, to lead you in the right direction. Well, that's actually a perfect segue because I want people to follow you on your social media channels. It's where I found you. You're sharing great information. And you engage with people. So if you can share, please, where people can connect with you and find out more. Yeah. So we have lots of social media accounts. We have a Twitter. We have LinkedIn. We have a YouTube. And we have TikTok and Instagram. And it's all the same username. It's at Carbon Block Inc. Um, and actually on YouTube, we have a, a Climate Minute series, which is a, a special YouTube series that explains everything about carbon offsets, carbon markets, um, and everything environmental. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Olivia. Yeah. Thanks for having me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. 
largest and most trusted community of working moms, Moms at Work, started as a Facebook group in 2016 with the aim of supporting working mothers in the workforce. Today, Moms at Work has developed into a 10,000-plus member organization providing working mothers with training, advocacy, career opportunities, networking, and community. Allison Venditti is founder of Moms at Work and joins me now to discuss the latest called My Parental Leave. Welcome back, Allison. Hey, thanks for having me back. You are always on the cutting edge of what moms at work really need. So please tell me more about my parental leave. So I've been working with developing parental leave policies for over a decade. And really, there's always been a focus on coaching and maybe we need to help people do things. And I was like, that's really not it. (laughs) From an HR standpoint, I was like, HR is not supposed to, to influence a lot of these decisions that women are making. So whether you take 12 or 18 months, what are your legal rights? Uh, And in fact, HR, for as much as they need to know, they don't know all of these pieces. They're not supposed to, right? They don't know the tax implications of EI. They don't know these things. So we started making a list. We we gathered over 200 questions that most are often asked. um, And we created a standalone course to teach women their rates um, and employer obligations during mat leave. So what are, what are, like, I mean... I think about maternity leave or parental leave, and I don't know that I ever really dove into my rights very much. So what are the, some of the most common concerns that you come across? Just because I went to test waters, we did a survey in 2020 about women's experiences during maternity leave. And 33%, we got about 1,300 people filled it out. 33% of them said they've been discriminated against, either uh, laid off, terminated, uh, discriminatory remarks made, emails sent, you name it, they saw it. And I said, I know this is a problem. And in actual fact, most employers don't even know this is happening. It's happening through managers. If you have a miscarriage, if you lose a baby, uh, HR teams are not set up to know how to respond to those things. When I had a miscarriage, my boss said to me, that sucks. And then there was nothing else they could do for me. He didn't look at it, didn't know. And this is very common. It's very common and very upsetting. So what we did is we took Deb Hudson, who's an employment lawyer, we worked with pregnancy and infant loss at Sunnybrook. And we said, we want to hear all the things that you see. And we're going to give people the facts. And really small HR teams with like one person, they'll never know all this. So it's 197 bucks. I'm like, here's all the things you need to know. We've got checklists. We've got options. We've got how to pick 12 to 18 months, how much money you're going to get, because nobody seems to know that. Um, and, and we just put it all together and tried to make it accessible. Big companies know how to do this but 85% of employers are smaller, mid-sized employers. They don't know. So this isn't just for individuals then. This is really something that businesses can utilize and employ as well. Yeah, so there's there's some programs out there that, you know, they're aimed at big companies and they're tens of thousands of dollars. And so we, you know, we're in talking to the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses and whatever. I'm like, they can't afford it. And I get that. And individuals, I'm sorry, do you know, like, I don't know how much you made on that leave, but I made not a lot. I was like, I can't afford a $5,000 program. It's not going to happen. So if someone, you know, and this is designed for men, women, uh, same-sex couples, you name it. We talk about adoption. We talk about IVF. And we're like, you have a lot of rights in Canada. Yeah. And, you know, you're saying you're rhyming off all of these things. And I'm thinking as a small business owner, you know, on top of everything else that you are trying to think of, I can see how this would be missed. So 
what an amazing tool that you're offering them now to to help navigate this so that they keep their employees happy and keep their workplace functioning as it should. What's the response been since you've released it? Most of so most moms of workers audience is there because I'll say this, they've been screwed over while they had a, had kids. So they're they're because of the other side. And so I'm trying to prevent the need for moms at work to exist. Ideally, I shouldn't have a job. That's my goal. I'm like, I would love to not have this job and do something else. Um, but the response has been, what, you put all of that in one place so I don't have to wait on the phone for four hours with you? I'm like, yes, we did that thing. They're like, but is it an employment lawyer? I'm like, yes, employment lawyer. Yes, tax specialist. Yes, psychologist. Yes, all the things. But they wanted more. So we do once a month, ask me anything. You got a specific question you need help with? Let us help you. Under no circumstances could someone afford all of us together, right? We each charge three, four, five hundred bucks an hour. It's a lot. So we said, put it all in one place and help people out as best we can. Well, I hope that someday you are out of a job. Uh, but I think for the mean, for the foreseeable future, you're going to be around. Uh, you're doing great work in the space. And so I want people to be able to find you because it's not just my parental leave. You are helping women across the country every single day. Uh, so can you please share where people can connect with you, Allison? Yeah. So for anybody interested in, in parental leave, you know, employers, HR people, it's myparentalleave.ca. And on Instagram, we have um, my parental leave and we're doing a whole bunch of free Instagram lives about different topics. So if you have questions about a topic, we'll be doing them there. Um, Mums at Work is at thisismumsatwork.com and on Instagram at thisismumsatwork. And the best place you could follow me for all this stuff is on LinkedIn. So if you follow me at Allison Venditti, I'll share the different things that we're doing. But that's our sort of like professional landscape because we're trying to reach employers to let them know you're not doing anything wrong. Just not knowing is okay, um, but it, we can help you get the information. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today. We'll put the uh, links for this in the liner notes uh, when this gets uploaded to podcast. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.